A reading from the beginning of the book of the prophet Daniel. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came and laid siege to Jerusalem. The Lord handed over to him Jehoiakim, king of Judah, and some of the vessels of the temple of God, and carried them off to the land of Shinar, and placed the vessels in the temple treasury of his God. The king told Ashpenaz, his chief chamberlain, to bring in some of the children of Israel of royal blood and of the nobility, young men without any defect, handsome, intelligent, and wise, quick to learn, and prudent in judgment, such as could take their place in the king's palace. They were to be taught the language and literature of the Chaldeans. After three years' training, they were to enter the king's service. The king allotted them a daily portion of food and wine from the royal table. Among these were men of Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. But Daniel was resolved not to defile himself with the king's food and or wine. So he begged the chief chamberlain to spare him this defilement. Though God had given Daniel the favor and sympathy of the chief chamberlain, he nevertheless said to Daniel, I am afraid of my lord the king. It is he who allotted your food and drink. If he sees that you look wretched by comparison with the other young men of your age, you will endanger my life with the king. Then Daniel said to the steward, whom the chief chamberlain had put in charge of Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Please test your servants for ten days. Give us vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then see how we look in comparison with the other young men who eat from your royal table. And treat your servants according to what you see. He acceded to this request and tested them for ten days. After ten days, they looked healthier and better fed than any of the young men who ate from the royal table. So the steward continued to take away the food and wine they were to receive and gave them vegetables. To these four young men, God gave knowledge and proficiency in all literature and science, and to Daniel, the understanding of all visions and dreams. At the end of the time the king had specified for their preparation, the chief chamberlain brought them before Nebuchadnezzar. When the king had spoken with all of them, none was found equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And so they entered the king's service. In any question of wisdom or prudence which, which the king put to them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters in his kingdom. The word of the Lord. Glory and praise forever. Blessed are you, O Lord, the God of our fathers, praiseworthy and exalted above all forever. And blessed is your holy and glorious name, praiseworthy and exalted above all for all ages. Blessed are you in the temple of your holy glory, praiseworthy and glorious above all forever. Blessed are you on the throne of your kingdom, praiseworthy and exalted above all forever. Blessed are you who look into the depths from your throne upon the cherubim, praiseworthy and exalted above all forever. Blessed are you in the firmament of heaven, praiseworthy and glorious forever. 
Dominus vobiscum. Excel Sancti Evangelii Secundum Lucam. When Jesus looked up, he saw some wealthy people putting their offerings into the treasury, and he noticed a poor widow putting in two small coins. He said, I tell you truly, this poor widow put in more than all the rest. For those others have all made offerings from their surplus wealth. But she, from her poverty, has offered her whole livelihood. Verbum Domini. Last week, from November 19th through November 26th, over 600, billion, over 600 buildings in over 17 countries were lit up in red. And that included the great 98-foot statue of Christ the Redeemer in Rio de Janeiro, the Colosseum in Rome, several Vatican buildings, the Austrian Parliament, the Melbourne Cathedral, St. Patrick's, and some 600 lit up in red. And the reason for doing that was to call attention to something that often is forgotten or goes unnoticed, is the plight of persecuted Christians red representing the blood that they shed. And so in honor and to call our attention to this reality in the front of our altar today under the lace, we have placed red there as well as a reminder to us to especially pray for persecuted Christians. And when I read the Catholic News Agency article I was surprised to learn that it said, and this is data from the A to the Church in Need. So this was a group that's been in existence for decades to help especially the suffering church, helping Christians who are in particular need. And it's an arm really of papal charities. And so they keep track of religious freedom and the lack of it throughout the world. And what they came up with the conclusion is that half of the world's population suffers some loss of religious freedom. And that there is a growing erosion of religious freedom throughout the world. Of course, we see that. We see that in the news. But one of the statistics that especially surprised me was that 90% of the people that were killed for their faith in 2022, 90% were from Nigeria. And so there's a great erosion of religious freedom in Nigeria. And let us especially pray there's an initiative to 
offer 100,000 decades of the rosary for the church in Africa, especially for those in Nigeria. And I would invite our viewers to especially pray for that intention today, especially remember them in the Mass today. The Aid to the Church in Need also has an initiative of a million children's rosaries every year in October. And so they try to uh, have a million children praying the rosary for world peace, something that we also do here with the children's rosary. So let us uh, especially pray for the suffering church, this red cloth as a reminder of that reality that many every day fear for their lives or in some way are not free to practice their faith. And as we're coming to the end of the liturgical year in year one, which we are in, the last week of the liturgical year, we read from the book of the prophet Daniel. And what we come across in the book of Daniel is that here we have uh, these uh, four young men, Daniel, Azariah, Mishael, and I forget the other one, <laughs> but the, the four young men who are taken into captivity from Judah. They're of royal lineage, which means they're from the family of King David. And so they are there, but they're also suffering, being taken from their homeland, taken to a foreign land, this exile of the people of Judah into uh, Babylon. And so Daniel begs a chamberlain that they won't be defiled by the king's food, which had been probably offered to idols. And so they are able then to win his favor with God's grace and blessing. But what we see also in today's psalm, which is taken from Daniel chapter 3, is the story of the three young men, the companions of Daniel, who are thrown into the fiery furnace because they refused to worship the statue that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And so the king flew into a rage. He wanted the furnace heated up seven times more than usual and for them to be cast into this fire. But what happens is that an angel comes to their aid. And the scriptures speak about this misty, cool um, air that surrounded them. And they're walking around within the furnace. And so they keep pouring in more fuel for the fire. And then we have this song of the three young men in the furnace today. So it says that with one voice, they prayed this psalm, or they prayed these words of praise and glorifying God. Blessed are you, O Lord, the God of our fathers. Praiseworthy and exalted above all forever, exalted above all for all ages. That he had rescued them. They were faithful to him. They sought not to be defiled. They would not give in to idolatry. And so they're praising God for rescuing them. A few chapters later, there's going to be a new king, Darius the Mede. He knows nothing of what had preceded him. 
And so they are, he's convinced <clears throat> that Daniel is praying to a God he should not be praying to because Daniel three times a day would pray toward Jerusalem. And so he's cast into a den of lions. But again, an angel comes to his aid. He's persecuted for his faith. And so what the book of Daniel as a church gives us this toward the end of the liturgical year is to encourage us to persevere through persecution until the culmination of human history in the kingdom of Christ. This is what we celebrated yesterday. The culmination of human history in the kingdom of Christ. In fact, the book of Daniel has two passages that especially remind us of the end of time. One passage from Daniel chapter 7 is sometimes used on the solemnity of Christ the King. This is from chapter 7. Daniel said, I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man. And he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. So Daniel has this vision of the future age when the Messiah will come. What was Jesus's favorite, favorite title for himself? The son of man. What does Daniel see? One like a son of man coming on the clouds of heaven. His kingdom is one that shall not be destroyed. And then we also have in Daniel chapter 12, a vision of the, or he is told of the resurrection of the dead. This is the beginning of chapter 12. At that time shall arise Michael the great prince, who has charge of your people. And there should be a time of trouble such as never has been since there was a nation till that time. But at that time your people shall be delivered, everyone whose name shall be found written in the book. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above. And those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. We want to be like that, like the stars, like the firmament of heaven. And so again, Daniel, this book of Daniel that the church gives us in year one at the end of the liturgical year is to encourage us to persevere through the difficulties, through the persecutions, even as many of our brothers and sisters know, to the shedding of their blood. 
because human history will culminate in the kingdom of Christ. Now in the gospel today, we have this poor widow who puts in two leptas, the smallest coin, into the temple treasury. And some of the church fathers have seen in these two coins the love of God and the love of neighbor that we are called to. Our, today's, Fran, our, today's saint, Francis Anthony Fasani, was known for his charity, known for his love of God. He was a great preacher, preached for over 40 years, helping to instill the love of God in others, but also a man who was known for his richness and his own charity toward the needy, toward orphans, toward prisoners, toward the sick. And so these are the two coins, too, that we can put into the eternal treasury, building the treasure in heaven. <clears throat> and it is for us today to look at this widow's heart. Look at her heart. How could she do such a thing? Her own livelihood, her very everything she has. Let's look at her heart today. Try to imitate both the love of God that is expressed in what she did, but also her confidence in his providence. She's a widow. It's difficult for her to make a living at that time. And yet she's going to entrust herself totally to God's providence, which I'm sure she experienced again and again in her life. And that confidence grew. Her own love and response to that providence. She wanted to give everything, everything that she had. Let's look at her life. Let's look at her heart. And then the final point today <clears throat> is regarding a letter that I received a couple of weeks ago from a woman who told me she's 88 years old. And she was a little girl in Havana, Cuba. And it was there they had the Sisters of Charity and the mother superior at that school there gave her the first book she ever read. It was a book about the miraculous medal, St. Catherine Labre. And today is a feast of the miraculous medal. She wanted me to mention it. And November 27th is actually the day when Our Lady showed to St. Catherine Labre a medal that she wanted struck that would be a sacramental that would bring many graces, much of her intercession to help people in their particular need. Well, as the <clears throat> communists took over in Cuba and persecution again grew there, her family emigrated to the United States. She always wanted to go to Paris to visit uh, St. Catherine Labre, the place of the miraculous medal, which she was able to do. So this is a beautiful, you know, St. Maximilian Kolbe called it the silver bullet. There's smaller versions than this one, of course. And Mother Teresa, when I met her, first thing she did, took a miraculous medal, kissed it, placed it in my hand. Still have that. A precious treasure. But what it symbols, Mary's hands are open, Our Lady of Grace, and around Our Lady O Mary, conceived without sin, pray for us who have recourse to these. So it points to her immaculate conception, but also 
how she's a mother of grace, mother in the order of grace, as Vatican II says, and how can, she can assist us. And then on the back, we have a cross, and the M, symbolizing Mary, is woven into the cross because she is so much a part of Christ's offering. And you have the Sacred Heart and Immaculate Heart and the 12 stars. So it's a beautiful sacramental that can remind us of the story of redemption and also to look to Mary in a special way. Mary, who is the queen of martyrs. Mary, who can help us, especially in the troubled times in which we live, so that we may be faithful until the end and so that we may shine like the stars forever.